Well, we're starting a new series, just a, a short little series through the summer uh, on generosity. And specifically, I wanted to think about God as a generous God. I think we've often thought about Him as, as a powerful God, a, a righteous God, a just God, a gracious God. But I think one of the things that we, we often forget is that God is a generous God. And so we're going to be taking a few weeks to look at God's generosity and how that affects and impacts our own lives. Uh, we're going to be reading out of Psalm 65, and we're going to read the whole psalm together. If you're new, uh, we stand as a way of reverencing the Word of God, and, and we, generally speaking, will read the Word of God together out loud. And so if you will join me in standing, we're going to be reading Psalm 65, verses 1 through 13. Praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayers, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple." By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. The one by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their corn, for so you have prepared it. Your water is, uh, you water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon's tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout for joy and sing together for joy. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a generous God, that you are abundant in your steadfast love, that you are abundant in your provision, that you are abundant in your strength, that there is no lack in you, God, and because you are our Father, you are good to us, you are gracious to us, and you are generous to us. God, I pray that right now you would, you would stir our hearts to see and savor and appreciate your generosity to us. God, I pray that we would, we would be able to step back from the circumstances, from the sins, from the struggles, from the distractions, that seemed to loom so large so that we might be able to see you as the great and generous God that you are. Holy Spirit, we invite you and we ask for you to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this Bible is, it was given to me, it's a, it's a really kind of a fancy Bible, it's made of like fancy leather, um, and, and the reason I'm telling you this is that 
when this Bible came out, it was the ESV anglicized. So this is like the UK version. I did not keep that in mind when we were reading together. So that's why I said corn while you, while you said grain. And then the second time when I was like, I, I'd read it in, in American English and it was grain. And then I saw corn, so I read corn. And, uh, and then the second time around, I, I tripped over it because I was like, well, it's grain. So just, just for point of clarification, I, that's, that's why, you know. I don't just associate grain as, it's all corn. I don't know. Apparently, they, in the UK, they do. Um, it's, not all, it's not just the OUs that they add. That's completely unrelated to our sermon. Um, that was for free because it was worthless. <laughs> all right. Um, so there, there's, a, there's a well-known book, and, and it's been made into movies, um, by Jane Austen called Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I expected. Some, some women to be like, yay! You don't hear too many men like, yeah, Jane Austen, awesome! Let's do this! <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good story. It's a good story. And there have been stories that were in, in movies that are based on it, and I'm not vouching for any of those things, but the story itself has some great bones, and it's, it's a neat story of, of pride and prejudice. And you have these two individuals um, who, who they're kind of orbiting around each other, but they have some, some prejudices about one another. Um, this, this young lady, Elizabeth Bennett, and, and this guy, Darcy, his actual name is, I looked it up, Fitzwilliam. So it's a good thing that he just goes by Darcy. Uh, he never would have gotten married otherwise. I'm just kidding. He, I don't know. He was rich, so probably didn't matter. Um, the point of it is, is they, they keep passing back and forth, and, and the story is really told from her perspective. And so she sees him as kind of an uh, aloof, grumpy, terse man who, who doesn't seem interested in engaging in society or being kind to others. And, and because of her initial uh, assumptions and, and thoughts about her, about, about Darcy, about him, she, she holds him at, at arm's length. And, and at times she's even very vocal about it. But eventually she comes to see him as this amazing, if, if quiet, man who, who she finds out is very kind. And, and the way that it comes about is really through his generosity. And, and in his generosity towards her, where she has some, some life situations that are affecting her family, and he addresses them without really telling her, he comes, she comes to find out about this, about how he, he's really bailed her family out, and everything changes. His pers- her perspective of who he is changes. Now, we are not Elizabeth Bennett, and God is not Darcy, but I do think that we tend to relate to God, or we have a, a danger in relating to God as, as well, well, you know, God, you're, you're up in heaven waiting for me to sin and then and judge me. You know, God, I understand you, you've given us this Bible, and, and I better read it because everyone keeps telling me to read it, and if I don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel shame. You know, God, I'm struggling in this area of my life, and, and I, I know that you're upset with me and angry with me. And we can begin to treat God like, like she was treating Darcy, almost preemptively saying, distancing ourselves. And, and what this... This text, among many others in the Bible, it, it is intended, I think, 
to, to show us God's generosity so that that distance that we've created would be broken. And, and I want to encourage you that, that God is generous toward you. God is generous toward you. So we see in here really three sections that, that speak to three aspects of his generosity. We can praise God because he's generous, first of all, with his grace. And we see that in verses one through four. We can praise God because he's generous with his grace. Then in verses five through eight, the first part of verse eight, he, we can praise God because he's generous with his strength. Do you ever need God to be strong for you? He's generous with his strength. And then thirdly, we can praise God because he is generous with his provision. He's generous with his grace. Verses one through four say this. Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayers, to you shall all flesh come. David is, he's pronouncing, God, we're coming to you. We're going to give you praise. You, you deserve praise. The vows that we've made of offering that we're, we ought to do, we're going to make those vows. There's this picture of, of, of the people of God coming into the temple, the place of God's presence. And perhaps there had been things that divided them. Maybe there had been sin that had crept in and, and they had to repent of that sin. And so here they are on the other side of the repentance and they're saying, God, we're coming to you and praise is due to you because you are generous. He says in verse two, oh, you who hear prayers to you, all, shall, all flesh shall come. Everyone's gonna come to the Lord because ultimately God is the one who's generous. And then he goes on in verse three and four. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. See, he understands, hey, I am a sinner, God. I am a sinner, and part of the problem sometimes when we, when we relate to God is not that God is being uh, distant. It's not that God has, has stopped hanging out with us. It's not that God has, has uh, canceled us. It's, it's that we have not realized that our sin is a problem. We have not realized or we have tried to downplay the fact that our sin is a problem. Now, we understand it in, in relationships with other people because when someone offends us, we automatically, we have this, this response, you know? You know, someone says something they shouldn't say, your spouse offends you, or someone at work's, you know, gossiping, and, and what happens to the relationship? There's, there's, a, there's a divide. And, and in the same way, our sin offends God. Now, God doesn't respond like this because he's God, but but it does offend him. It does offend him. And yet here we see that even though our sin offends God, he says in verse 3, you atone for our transgressions. Other versions say you forgive our sins. You cover our sins. You know, God, he, he doesn't forgive us after we've shaped up. You realize that? You know, the Bible talks about how God had a plan of redemption before the foundations of the world. Before God said, let there be light, Jesus was ready to go and die on the cross. I mean, just let that simmer for a moment. I mean, that's, that's, that's some planning. That's not five-year planning. That's not 10-year planning. That's, that's some grandmaster chess planning right there. 
moves upon moves upon moves. He cares for us, and he's generous with his forgiveness. We could just stop here. You know, I, I would encourage you just to take, take 20 seconds, and, and I, I do this lovingly, but I want you to just think of the ways that you have failed God. I'm just going to be quiet. I don't think about the ways I've failed God. And then listen to this. 20 seconds is going to be too long. You atone for our transgressions. He has atoned for your transgressions. He's generous with his forgiveness. And this is in the Old Testament, right? David is having to go to the temple and, and make burnt sacrifices. But what do we have? We have the real atonement. Jesus Christ on the cross, blood shed, body broken for, for our sins. His, his blood covering our sins. He has made atonement for our transgressions. He's gracious and he's generous with his grace. Not only that, he goes on and he says, blessed is the one you choose to bring near to dwell in your, your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. They've been allowed not only to be forgiven, but to be brought into God's presence. You know, I, I, I imagine you've, you've interacted with people, you've, you've hung out with people and maybe crossed their paths, uh, offended someone, and, and they say, well, I forgive you, but, uh, you know, I'm going to need some space. And I forgive you, but we're not hanging out much. You know, I forgive you, but oh, why'd you even follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram? But God, he doesn't unfollow us. He doesn't for, forgive, just kidding. You know, sorry, not sorry type forgiveness. No, he forgives and he says, come into my presence. He invites us back. I mean, think of the, I think of the prodigal son. He's gone out. He's, he's taken all of his father's uh, inheritance, right? He had asked for his inheritance before his father died, right? That's, that's a bad relational move. Dad, you're as good as dead to me. I want to go and you take my money and, and go. And, and he goes and he, and he spends it all on wild living, fill in the blank. And he comes back after having realized, I can at least get a job with my dad. He may not treat me as a son, but he, you know, be, a, a, being a slave or a servant in his house is better than what I'm doing right now. And he goes back, and this man of dignity, this, this man of, of, of society, this man of, of stature sees his son and in a society where running was not something that you did, you had your servants go do things like that. He runs after his son. God invites us into his presence. He's so quick to say, come here. He chooses us and brings us in. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near. We're, we're blessed, we're happy because he chooses us and he brings us near. Not because of anything in us, but because he loves us. And only, not only that, he satisfies us with the goodness of your house. In Psalm verse, chapter 16, I believe it's in verse 11, it says this. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The, 
the, the challenge of the Christian life is not just to say, no, I'm going to deny myself. Right? That's, not, that's not where the period goes. Sometimes we, we live this Christian life and, and we're saying, okay, I got to, you know, mm, I'm a holy person. Life is hard. I have to do, I have to read my Bible every day. Like, reading your Bible every day is a hard thing, as a side note. Um, we can all do it. But we, we treat this walk as though it's so difficult and so laborious. And it can be. Absolutely it can be. When you say no to things in the world and you say yes to God, it can be difficult, but it doesn't just stop there. It's difficult, but the benefit is that we get the fullness of joy in his presence. We get the fullness of joy in his presence. The point of Christianity is not just that you don't go to hell, it's that you go to heaven to be with God, to be in his presence. And in, in his presence, there's fullness of joy, and God promises to satisfy us. Are you unsatisfied with your life? Have you come to moments, maybe in, in your room, in, in, in solitude, and thought to yourself, I, I hate my life. I'm frustrated with my life. I don't like the situation that I find myself in. God is waiting, and he says, in my presence, there's fullness of joy. What does that look like? That doesn't mean that when we, you know, we pray and we come into God's presence, he just he takes away all those people and situations that become difficult, right? That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, come into the church, come into the courts of my, my presence and leave all that junk behind. You know, all of a sudden, bring, all the problems go away. No, he's saying that when you are in fellowship with me, when you are in relationship with me, you can see all of my plans and my purposes in Psalm 16, he talks about paths. And we can see that, that God is for us and that, that he is working in our lives and that he loves us. And there's this, there's this connection, there's this joy that ought to bubble up inside of us. And this is why he talks about, this is why he talks about um, praising God at, in verse one. Worshiping him, his presence. He's gracious and he's generous with his presence. And he's gracious and he's generous satisfying us. If you're unsatisfied with your life, I would encourage you not to focus on the specific things that you're unsatisfied with. And instead, focus on the God who satisfies. It may not change your marriage. It may not change your employment situation but it'll change you. He's generous with his grace. He goes on and he talks about these awesome deeds. He goes, verse five, by awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest sea, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the people, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. You know, I was, we were visiting my, my father-in-law um, recently and mother-in-law. And they, they live out in Front Royal in, in the mountains. And we drive down 66. You can get there from 7, but we drive down 66. And as you, as you begin to go into the mountains, everything just turns green right now at least. It'll, it'll tur- it's a beautiful 
in the fall, you should just go out west and do that. You can do that on 7-2, and there's a pie shop on the right, so you have a reason to go. Um, 66, I mean, you get to Front Royal, and it's Front Royal. But the pie shop on 7, that's where it's at. Anyways, they're, they're mountains. They're the same mountains. You, <laughs> Bunny trail. All right, you move, you go west, and there are these mountains. And, and they're green. And you begin to think about it, and it just looks like a green, you know, slope. But it's not. It's a gigantic mound of earth with trees just cropping up and enough leaves that it looks like a blanket of green. That's a lot of leaves. And that's like one mountain. And the Appalachian Mountains, the the Blue Ridge Mountains that we have, they're not, like, apparently, I've heard Rocky Mountain, the the, the western mountains are more intense. And then you've got, you know, the Alps and other mountains in the world. And there's this sense when you look at them that I am small, and this thing is gigantic. You know, we live right along the, the Potomac River. If you throw a penny hard enough, you can get it into the Potomac River, and some carp will eat it because that's what's there. Um, but I remember walking with my kids and my wife, and, and there's, there's these places where there are these ridges, and you're just looking down, and you're like, well, I hope I don't trip because I might die. And, and they're the, just ridges right by the, right by the, uh, the Potomac River where it's, you're up on, not a mountain, but it's a mountain enough for me. It, this is about the level of height that I'm good with. You know, anything beyond this and my hands start to sweat. Even talking about it, my hands are starting to sweat. The point I'm trying to say here is that the mountains are powerful. They're vast. They're majestic. They're gigantic. And yet, what does he say? The one who by his strength established the mountains. You know, sometimes we come to God and, and I think that we aren't asking the right questions in prayer because we don't think about how strong and mighty God is. Oh God, please, would you just help me with this once? Instead of saying, God, I know that you are capable. I know that you're able because you established the mountains. Who stills the roaring sea and the, the roaring of their waves. I mean, I could go on another, I love going to the Outer Banks. And again, apparently the West Coast is more intense than the East Coast. But there are waves on the East Coast. And, and we've been on the, on the coast during some, some storms. And it gets intense. It gets intense. You know, they, you begin to see like, I'm not going to mess with that ocean. Because that ocean might eat me up. And if the ocean doesn't eat me up, then the stuff in the ocean will eat me up. And then the other stuff under the ocean will eat whatever's left over. It's, there are monsters in the ocean. Just kidding, little people, there aren't monsters. But there are things that look and sound and seem like monsters. And if it quacks like a duck and walks like a duck, then it's a monster. The, the ocean is, is, we can't begin to, we know more, as my kids tell me, my boys tell me, we know more about space than we do about the ocean, which is both amazing and horrifying. And yet, what does it say? You still the roaring waves, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the people. You know, when Jesus was on the boat and he was worn out from ministry, he was sleeping underneath 
Peter and the disciples began to freak out when there was a storm. And it was a bad storm. And they thought they were going to die. And these were, these were not me. It was not me, you know, thinking that they're, they're monsters in the water. These were seasoned fishermen who, who fished those monsters, killed them, and sold them. And they were freaking out. And eventually they, they roused Jesus. They said, Are, do you, we're going to die. And I kind of feel like Jesus is like, oh, okay. Stop. And then the waves just... Like, I, I don't... You know, there, there are certain moments where he's, he's just... I'm not... We're not having... We're just going to be quiet now. You know, Harrison Ford, there's a story about Indiana Jones, and there's one scene where... Um, there's this, this guy, he's supposed to have a fight, and there's a guy with two swords, and he's like swinging the swords, and like he's doing all this stuff. And Harrison Ford, he just pulls out the gun and shoots him. And that's not what he was supposed to do, apparently. Apparently, he was supposed to have this big fight, but he was tired, worn out. He had stapled the, his hat to his head to keep it on, and he was like, I'm done. And he shoots him. And then that's the cut that you get in Indiana Jones. And that's kind of the picture I have of, of Jesus, maybe not. So, um, anyways, but, but him coming on and just being like, just stop. Just stop. And, and we, we get so caught up like, like the disciples and, God, my world is, it's in tumult, as he says. It's, it's a mess. It's turmoil. There's, there's problems everywhere. And, and we begin to freak out. Our chest gets tight. Our hands tremble. And because we forget that God is in the boat with us. That the one who stills the roaring of the seas is with us. God is generous with his power. Finally, he's generous with his provision. He says this, You make the going of the morning and the evening shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water, and you provide there grain, not corn, uh, for you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly. Settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. Right? There's this picture of, of, of ridges of, of whatever, corn, I guess, apparently. Um, and, and there are ridges and there are valleys where they've planted, right? And there's so much water coming down that the valleys are being filled and the ridges are kind of settling down because the water's dispersing the, the dirt and, and it's, it's so abundant. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon track overflows with the but there's so much there's so much corn in your in your wagon that it's it's just falling off the wagon. And you're just leaving it there because you just have so much. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. Right? What does it look like for a meadow to clothe itself with, with sheep? So that it just looks like a, a, a long wool meadow blanket. If that's a thing, I'm pretty sure it's not. The valleys deck themselves with corn. They shout and sing together for joy. Grain just sounds more godly than corn. It's just, there's something humorous about corn. But that's what it says. The, the valleys deck themselves with corn. They shout and sing for joy. God is gracious and he's generous, more specifically, in his abundance. He's generous in his provision. You know, Jesus himself talks about it in Matthew chapter 6. 
as he's, he's talking to the disciples, and he talks about not being anxious. And, and he says this, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you drink or, you know, the corn. He doesn't say that. Nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is it life more than food than body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. The birds aren't out in the field planting corn. I'm just going to keep rolling that. Gathering in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? None of us. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Do not be anxious. He says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. You know, sometimes, many times, we find ourselves looking at our problems, trying to figure it out from every angle. You got more months than you have salary. You, you, you have more issues and the car breaks down. Your kid needs new shoes because they decided to grow two inches in the last month. You know, some, some your house floods, all these situations, and you're saying, God, what's the deal here? How am I going to make it? I'm going to die. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Come to me. Come to me. Oh, don't ignore your problems, but don't focus. Come to me. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You may not get the Ferrari, probably not. Again, that's not in the text. Um, because they weren't invented. But also because that's not a thing. But he promises to provide for our food and our drink and our clothes because he's a generous and gracious God. And he's abundant in his generosity. And, and there was a song when I grew up, uh, as I was growing up, you probably grew up with it too, and I won't sing it to you, but it, the, the lyrics are count your many blessings, name them one by one, think of all the things that your God has done. You know, we all want to start. <laughs> it's one of those Baptists like, dun, 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 dun. okay, anyways, I do at least. It's, it's like eating, you know, good home-cooked food, and you're like, ah, oh, I'm 12 again. That's what that song does for me. But the point is, the song talks about counting your many blessings. And sometimes when we think about God and our situation, our circumstances, our, our pain, our frustration, we say, God, this is going on. Don't you care about it? My heart is broken in this way. Don't you care about it? And, and we're surrounded by God's many blessings. Like we're, we're like, we're in the, the dragon's treasure trove, but, but we've got like a, a, a paper cut. I'm like, oh, God, I got a paper cut. And there's just like gold coins, like, you know, Scrooge McDuck gold coins. I'm swimming in the gold coins. We're all learning about my childhood right now. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Think of all the ways, all the, all the things that God has done. God is a generous God. He, he doesn't start being generous. We're like, oh, I see, I see now. No, we open our eyes to his generosity. He's generous in his forgiveness of your sins. He's generous in his strength towards you. He's generous in his provision for you. Why, why does all this matter? David told us in, in verse 1, 
Praise is due to you, O Lord. Praise is due to you, O God. God does these things so that we will know how great and awesome he is and we will give him the praise and glory he deserves. And, and the thing about God doing things so that we will praise him, it's not like me doing things so you will praise me. Right? If I do things so you will praise me, that comes off as arrogant. That comes off as unpleasant, weird. You know, if someone's doing things and, and trying to, to, oh, look at what I did, uh, uh, come see what I made, uh, come see what I did, aren't I so cool? You're like, uh, I'm going to go somewhere else, this is weird. Right? But God is awesome. Right? And when he says, come and see how gracious and glorious and generous I am, he's not saying, come and see this and make me feel better about myself. He's saying, come and see ultimate reality. And when we enter into that and we see ultimate reality and it hits our heart, praise happens. And he wants us to praise him because that's what he made us to do. And when we praise him with our life, when we recognize his generosity, when we recognize his goodness, we are walking in our destiny. You know, the world talks about destiny, you know, like, what am I supposed to do with my life? What's my five-year plan, ten-year plan? You know, am I going to become a, uh, an Olympic athlete, as, as we've been talking about, or watching? Or am I going to become a, an amazing musician? Am I going to become a, a, a scientist? And those things are important, but underneath that, all of those things are intended to be means by which we worship God. You know, I, I think Eric Little, who, who was an Olympic athlete, and I think, yeah, I don't know much about him. My kids do. We talk about it a lot. Um, but Eric Little, one of the things I, I, I know that he talked about was this idea that when he ran, he felt the pleasure of God. He wasn't just running because he was good at it. He was running because God had made him that way. And he had, he had given him that destiny and that purpose. And in walking or running in that destiny and purpose, he worshiped God. And you may not be an Olympic athlete, but maybe, maybe when you go to work, you're, you're doing what you're doing to the glory of God. And you're considering all the ways God has been generous to you. And hopefully it, it causes you to, to thank God. God, I thank you. I, I count my many blessings. Family, God loves you. And he is generous to you. And, and that generosity is intended to stir something up in us. He, he wants to woo you with his generosity. You know, I talked about Darcy and, and Elizabeth Bennett. And they end up getting married. And she... She marries him and becomes filthy rich. And it's, it's, a, happy, it's a funny love story because it's, it's not just like two people, but like, oh, he's rich and famous and, you know, he's got, a, he's got a, an estate. And, and, but I don't like you. And at the end, oh, I do like you and, and now I'm rich. It's just funny to me. Like, of course, you, he's, okay. All right, Elizabeth. Anyways, um, What's the point I'm trying to make here? I'm sorry, guys. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that God is trying to woo you with his generosity. He's trying to woo you with his generosity. He wants to show you that he loves you. 
that he treasures you. And he wants to invite you in to do exactly what you intended to do, which is to worship and praise him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that by your son, we've seen that love most clearly communicated in his life, death, and resurrection, that, that you showed us your love, you showed us your generous forgiveness, you showed us your provision all in the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that you provide for us, that you invite us to come to you as the one who established the mountains, to the one who calms the raging seas. Some of you are in this room and you have raging seas in your life. And this is the moment and the opportunity for you to come to God. Don't, don't rush past this. Some of you, you've got sin in your life. Unrepented sin. And God's inviting you to turn away from your sin and to receive forgiveness and the covering that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And some of you, you, you maybe this is the first time you've considered knowing and trusting in this generous God. And I would encourage you, if that's you, that, that Jesus, who I didn't talk much about, but he's our ultimate, God's ultimate message of God's generosity. Jesus is God become man and he lived this perfect, righteous life, and it could have been done there. But no, he goes to the cross and he dies for the sins of, of all of us who put our faith in him. And he rose again, defeating Satan, sin, and death, so that when we put our trust in him, we might receive that forgiveness. Like, like David says, we might have our transgressions atoned for, we might have our sins forgiven, we might be covered that's you, I would encourage you to trust in Jesus today. Turn away from everything you know to be sin. Turn to Jesus. And, and you can just say this, God, I want to turn away from my sins and trust in you. Help me to live this life before you. Help me to count my many blessings. And help me to grow in my relationship with you. God, would you help us to be aware of your generosity and grateful for your generosity. We worship you in Jesus' name.